You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Welcome, audio listeners, to the Sewing and Growing podcast with Jay and Jay. And I hope you are sitting on the edge of your seat, mm. unless you're driving, because I don't think that's safe driving practice. No. Sometimes when you get tired, you do the granny sit in the seat. You know what that is? That's where uh, your arms are really close to the steering oh, wheel. Yeah. Sometimes when forward. I'm, did you say when you're really tired? Yeah. Like, like you, you can't, you're about to fall asleep. Yeah, you or you're nervous. You you shrink up towards the wheel. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. No offense to the grannies out there. Uh, I just see it more as yeah. an elderly there approach some, to driving. Uh, yesterday, somebody pulled out in front of me, and I, I almost got in a wreck. And it was very hard for me to see if there was anybody in the car. It almost looked like a self-driving autonomous vehicle. It ended up being a woman who was about four foot eight. Well, speaking of hard to see who's driving the vehicle, with people who are about five to six <laughs> years older than me, born in the mid-80s, they like to drive their cars when they got their license like a gangster, which I never could do. Really far yeah. back, and then lean the seat way back, and you just hold like the bottom of the yeah. steering wheel. I never got into that. I, when that I, was a spot of rebellion I never When I was uh, at, at uh, ACA, I was, like in, I was like in the sixth grade, and... There was a guy who rode the bus with me. His name was Chance, and he just got a car. And what he, a name for somebody from that time period, too. I Chance. Know. His name was Chance, and he had like the gelled, spiky hair. Yes, he could have probably didn't, but could have had frosted tips. He he had frosted tips. <laughs> Come on. He literally, I kid you not. And when he got his license, he would drop his sister off. At the bus stop, but then he would drive himself because he just loved driving so much. But his sister would ride the How bus. How was his seat? His seat was like completely laid back. <laughs> and I remember him. I'm like, how do you drive? But I thought he was cool. I was like, Chance is the yeah. man, dude. Look at Chance. Like, And I wanted to have frosted tips. I'm glad he bore witness with what I was talking about. Yeah, he did what I was and the gel about. that was in his hair was like that classic, like, got to be glued, like... The brand. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like bedhead, like, <laughs> like got the guy to be glued. that you see on the cap that you twist off of the gel container. That's yes. chance. That was chance. Awesome. And it's not just happenstance or chance Sorry. that you're listening to this podcast. I'm believing oh, that you're getting something out of these. You're being led to by the Holy Spirit. And we really enjoy doing these. I just want to say thank you for being a listener. And if you wanted to give us a gift to this Christmas season, the greatest <laughs> thing you could do is just share this podcast with someone else. Yeah, that is a gift. We have the awesome opportunity to do this during work through Pastor Mark in yeah. the church. We're so thankful for that. But really, we do it so you can be blessed. We love talking with each Guess other. that would make us professionals. Uh, you could say that. <laughs> I don't want to put that stamp on this podcast. It seems like some pressure, but maybe I need the pressure to raise to another level. <laughs> I can say that. there. I've known a few different people who have started podcasts, and they were very short-lived. We have done this for over a year. Um, we are up to almost 80 episodes now. True. So that's that's pretty awesome that we are, have been able to continue doing the thing that God put in our hearts. So in this giving season, back to what I was saying. Yeah, back to you. <laughs> well, ouch. Uh, <laughs> all you have to do for me is share this podcast. Maybe find your favorite, send it to someone, and say, hey, check this out. These guys are putting in the good work concerning the gospel, sharing the truth to young guys. And really, I just want to do a continuation of last week's podcast about our thoughts and it's going to be really based out of a book by one of our favorite teachers, one of the smartest guys we've ever heard minister, yeah. Rick Renner. I can honestly say this guy is solid. He doesn't sugarcoat the truth. And he has such a deep and rich knowledge of the Greek language. Mm -hmm. He can make 
like the whole New Testament come alive. Yes. He literally has two books about that, Sparkling Gems of the Greek, where two. it just opens everything up to you. And I want to open up something to you from one of his books called A Light in the Darkness. And this is a coffee table book. I say this one this book. This big book. I'm this one book right could now. probably be four books in one book. Would you agree with that? Yeah. One, two, three, four, the size. This is like if you if you wanted to go buy Guinness Book of World Records, you yeah. know, 2020, uh, that's not a good year to set records, but uh, it's that size. If you know what I'm talking about, you remember the Guinness Book of World Records? Yes. I had one from the year yeah. 2000. It was or like Ripley's, gr- believe it green or not. holographic. Yeah. That's the size of this book. Right. It has 500 pages in this book, and it's worth the size of four books. So that's like 2,000 pages. You could knock out an intruder with this book. I was going to say, this to is house. a home defense thing. Yeah. You could smack somebody over the head, it would knock it out. You I'm ha- getting a, a workout just curling it right now. <laughs> Do you have now. a permit for that? No, I don't. And I'm going to try to wield the knowledge with all respect as we talk about this book. But what it's based on is the seven messages to the seven churches. So this is only volume one. He only touches on two of the churches. And there's practically what could be in a normal book, 2,000 pages to it. But all I want to talk about today in this roughly 25 minutes that we have left of this podcast is the exalted view of Christ. We had mentioned last week about... The most important thing, according to A.W. Tozer, about us is what we think about concerning God. And I said that the church of our day has a low view of Christ, doesn't really think of him, and maybe falling into what Romans uh, speaks of, that people of that culture were not retaining God in their knowledge or glorifying him or being thankful. So I've been trying to spend time each day to try to have some quiet time, and I find this useful, looking at Jesus's... Jesus is Jesus <laughs> glory. That's the most you're ever going to hear me sing or try to do a gospel run. <laughs> and that was on accident, folks. Jesus is Jesus's representation to John on the Isle of Patmos. So this is based on the book of Revelation. Hard book to understand, which is another great reason to look to Rick Renner as a resource mm-hmm. to make sense of some of it. But the apostle John was, I think, the youngest disciple of them all. And he was the disciple who was revealed as the one that Jesus loved. He had a very close relationship with Jesus. He was one of the th- three. Peter. Reveal- it was revealed because he's the one who revealed it. Yes. Peter, James, and John. <laughs> well, Sorry. You're, you're, it was it's funny. It's like, it was there. revealed that he was the one that Jesus loved. I'm like, yeah, because he said it about himself. Right. But it's true. It is true. God, through the Holy Spirit, inspired him to say that. <laughs> Just like Moses said, I'm the, Moses was the most humble man in the world. A couple instances there, but you have to receive by faith that the Holy Spirit was leading him to right, say those yes. things. Are you trying to throw no, me off? I'm sorry. It was just funny. It is. It was funny. He had a great relationship with the Lord. And he wrote this book on the Isle of Patmos. And this is really interesting. This is some of the wisdom and insight that... Rick Renner brings out, but Patmos was an open-air prison. It was an island that the Roman Empire would send the worst of criminals to just get them away from Rome. I think of England uh, oh. and Australia. How oh, Australia, I was thinking of Alcatraz. You, but go great, ahead with great Australia. Exam- great examples. But there were two sections to this island. Mm-hmm. There was a section for political offenders and common criminals. Mm-hmm. And they were on two different parts of the island. Are you talking Aussie land right now? Or I'm not talking, talking Aussie land. I'm oh. talking Potmos. Okay. First century Potmos. Okay. So what was the difference between the cr- common criminal section and the political offenders 
section of the island. This is it. If you were a common criminal, the first thing that would happen to you when you landed on this island, let it be known that John landed on this island when he was 90 years old. He was already 90. Uh, If you're a common criminal, you would be beaten immediately and then forced to hard labor, but they would feed you and make sure that you had water. John was not one of those. That's nice. Oh. John was not one of those. Bummer. He was a political offender. And here's the deal. You weren't beat. You weren't forced to do labor, but you were left alone, not given any food or fresh water, and you had to find your way on a desolate, hot, windy island. You had to Tom Hanks your way out of that situation. Cast away. Yeah. Do not cast off your confidence because it has great reward. I had to go Lord. back to the scripture on that. <laughs> so we go, wait, what happened to John? How did John get here? Well, how John got there was that he was actually living in Ephesus behind the temple of Artemis. So the Mm. temple of Artemis was this huge temple of pagan worship. And the pastor of the church of Ephesus was Timothy. He most likely lived inside of Ephesus. But people who lived inside the city were under greater subjugation to persecution from the Roman Empire. So John actually, after Paul was beheaded, took Mm -hmm. over Paul's churches. Wow. So he actually was positioned behind the Temple of Artemis up on a hill. So he could fascinating stuff. He could keep leading people. And he had another job that was given to him at the foot of the cross. Who knows what that job was? He had Mary, the mother of God. The mother of God. I was gonna say this earlier though, because James, not James, Peter was you know, really rough and tough. I'll never forsake you, Lord. No offense to Peter, but who was at the foot of the cross when Jesus was dying? It wasn't Peter. The young gun. Young blood. (laughs) It was John. It was John. So maybe he earned that right of the one that Jesus loved. Yeah, he took care of Mary. So they went back and lived in Ephesus. And when John was 90, the emperor Domitian, Domitian came in, and Domitian was one of the first emperors to really want to deify himself, not actually once he died, while he was still alive, and he started to push towards that. Now, that wasn't common or popular with the upper echelons of the Roman population, the affluent ones. They liked the Senate. They liked having... They respected the emperor, but not to the point where he was God. So, John, I mean, he's 90. He's an old man. They go, they shackle him, they bring him to Rome, and they tell him to offer pagan worship to the emperor. Hmm. And he he denies it. He says he won't do it. So they dip him in hot uh-huh. oil, bring him up, and he's unharmed. And that instance in history is more documented yeah. than Alexander the Great. That's nuts. So Domitian... Now, doesn't Josephus touch on that? Uh, Tertullian. Tertullian. Tertullian, who was an early church founder. Again, I've been digging into church history. I find it really interesting. He wrote about it. He was known for his accuracy, and he talked about it. He he was actually a really brutish guy. He liked to make fun of the people who were trying to dismantle Christianity, and some people thought, ah, he's a bit of a brute. But he was known for his accuracy, and he wrote about this instance. And that's why Domitian got so freaked out, he sent Jesus to Patmos. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. John. He sent John. Jesus and John went to Patmos, though. So. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Getting ahead of myself. So let's talk a little bit about when John got on the island. I'm opening the He's book. He's flipping open the book, I'm folks. flipping over the book. I'm going to try to navigate through some of I'll, this. I'll talk. Oh, wait, you need to find your place? No, I if can... you have something to say, that would be okay, great. I'll say something interesting about Australia because Brit, Great Britain. So if you don't know this, Britain 
and Australia and Canada, they're all in this thing called the Commonwealth. They all are subjugated or have to submit to the Queen, right? Anyways, so the that crowd. happened back then too. So the Britain sent all of their prisoners to Australia because it was like the wild, wild west back then. It was, it was there was no law and it was just hot and desolate, right? So they sent their inmates down there. The reason why people call each other mate, hey mate, good eye mate. Yeah, in yeah, Australia, this is interesting. Is it comes from the word inmate because Britain sent prisoners to Australia. No way. Yes, sir. so it's built into their history. Yes. That's super cool. Go for that it. was did such you find, a good filler. Did you find your yes, spot? Yes, I wanted to make note of this, and this isn't known in the Bible, but Rick Renner puts it down as something that most likely happened, that John did not actually go to Potmos by himself, but he went with Prochorus. Now, some of you are going to know where that name comes from. I don't know where it comes, comes from. It comes from Acts 6-5, where it talks about the seven deacons, mm. one of them being Stephen, who was anointed yep. to watch tables. Some of them went on to do great things. Church history, who's pretty solid on this, not the Bible, not canon, but said that Prochorus submitted himself to John and willingly went to the Isle of Potmos with him wow. and lived with John. And when John fell into this train... Wait, who said this? Church, church history. They have it well known from the beginning. Okay. Different sources in different places. That Prochorus went with him. And when John fell... When, not John. Yes, John fell into <laughs> the trance. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm It's okay. Off. Prochorus wrote down what happened because all John could do was speak out what was happening. And Prochorus was just there writing down what John saw. Wow. So it was really cool. And just amazing to think, would I be willing to serve somebody? We talk about serving under someone's vision, helping someone for the gospel. Go, Go to, to prison with them. the worst yeah. island with the worst criminals. Think of maximum security prison. Yeah. Where's prison? Go with them and serve them in that location. And, that's what Prochorus did. And go and, and know that you're not going to have any food or water. And not know if that's a permanent stay. Well, that would suck if he was a common criminal and John wasn't. So he got beat <laughs> got every separated. day, but got fed. <laughs> and John, and <laughs> John, to do forced labor. You're not even able to do what you yeah, were sent to do. I need you to write down stuff as my scribe, but you're you're having to build the uh, train tracks, even though there was no trains back then. Right. John starts off writing in. Revelation, and he says, I, John. And it's interesting that he says, I, John, because he really had to emphasize and let people know that he actually was John. He was the last of the disciples mm -hmm. that was still around. Peter had died. Paul had died. He was young. He was the last one to be around. So he emphatically stated in Revelation, I, John. And he refers to himself as a brother. It's amazing how humble the disciples were, that they referred to themselves as bond servants yeah. of the Lord. But he referred to him, the one who laid against Jesus's breast. He said, I'm your brother. And then he said this, companion in tribulation. And I want to pull this up because that word companion in tribulation, this is what Rick Renner said. He used the Greek word thalipsis for tribulation. This word doesn't simply mean hardship or difficulties. Rather, it describes the most excruciating type of stress and pressure. By using this word, John informed his readers that he had been subjugated to an extreme level of crushing and debilitating pressure because of his faith said, historically, this word is interesting as it was first used to depict act of torture. The victim would be bound tightly and then laid flat on his back with a huge stone or boulder suspended on a rope above him. The torturers would demand that the victim confess his crime. If he refused, the stone was lowered closer and closer to his prostrate body. If the victim continually refused to confess his crime, the stone was eventually lowered so close that the victim could not move and could scarcely breathe. At this point, he was trapped, pinned in place, and unable to move. Finally, the rope was cut, and the stone with all its weight fell upon the victim, crushing him 
to death. Whoa. He's saying the church is under extreme persecution and I'm your brother. And he mm. actually says, I was in Potmos. And people are like, whoa, you were in Potmos. Wow. And it said that that word meant that he was like surprised. That No way, John was saying, me as a 90-year-old, I expected to be loaded up and taken to Potmos, but I went to Potmos. Mm. And then he starts going into the vision. And when we read about this, it says that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Have you, some of you who've looked into Revelation have seen that, that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Well, I thought that meant it was the Sabbath. Or if you really, you think, oh, was it Sunday? <laughs> it was well, no, Sunday. it wasn't Sunday. What the Lord's day meant was the emperor's day. So it was the Roman mm. emperor's day where you offered up and you like worshiped the emperor. So it's amazing that Jesus waited wow. to reveal himself That's crazy. as the true king on emperor's day. He showed that's up awesome. and showed John who he was on emperor's day. I just think that's so cool. That's awesome. It shows that God has to some degree a sense of like, I know who I am and I'm going to demonstrate who I am and it's going to be mighty and powerful. That's, that reminds me of why Jesus waited three days because in Jewish culture, the number three represented finality. So if anything was going to happen, it would have to happen before the third day. And so after the second day, the third day was very, very bleak for people in Jewish culture because that was the number of finality. So things like that. God exactly. knows what he's doing. Jesus knows and we're going to look doing. at a couple more of those. Uh, Rick Renner says this. This means Jesus Christ chose to reveal himself as the King of kings and Lord of lords on the very day that the entire Roman Empire was specially celebrating the supposed deity of the wicked emperor Domitian. Awesome. Uh, it, he starts talking about why the seven churches. The fact is that those were connected in roads, and we don't know exactly, but these were prevalent churches that saw a certain region of influence. And there, he goes into different time periods and what they might mean and why he did it. But I really like starting at looking at when he says in verse 12 and 13, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened unto the Son of Man. He said it was gold. Jesus sees, that's a picture of the church. The golden candlesticks are a picture of the church, but gold. And the process of gold being refined is really rough. You get it out of the earth, you crush it. You expose it to really great heat, let impurities come up, draw it out, mm -hmm. and then reheat it over and over again, each time with the fire getting more intense mm -hmm. to get the most intense impurities out till gold actually becomes soft and pliable. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. We purposely and intentionally, especially in America, we leave a lot of impurities in there because it keeps the ring or whatever piece of jewelry hard. Pure gold will bend all the time, and that's why a lot of people don't like wearing it. Oh, look at that. See? There you go. Yeah. 24-karat yeah. gold is... It makes me think of good, what Pastor Mark says, too. He says that we are the greatest people on the face of the earth. A lot of times he's like, I'm here with the greatest people on the face yeah. of the earth. Jesus saw that. He said the golden... Candlesticks. Now, they actually weren't candlesticks. That translation in the first century had to do with clay vessels, uh, which were little clay pots that would hold oil, and there would be a wick that came in through the mouth where the fire would burn. Mm -hmm. And Rick Renner made the point that really the mouth of the oil-burning lamp is where the Holy Spirit should be seen, and is the church really demonstrating in truth with its word who Christ is? And imagine if the church wasn't present at all, how much darkness would really overtake mm. the earth. And the amazing thing is, is that Jesus said, I'm in the midst of the lampstands. 
which means what? That he was in the very center of it. That he was in the very center of everything that was going on in the church and watching over and making sure it was going smooth uh, and wanting it to go smooth. And when it wasn't, he was willing to show up. We're going to look at that. Mm -hmm. So when John said, I saw one unlike unto the son of man, this was the first time that John had seen Jesus in 60 years. And there was just enough resemblance. He was glorified and he was immense, but he saw and he recognized this was Jesus to a degree, and it really started to influence him. And it continues on. It starts to describe who he was by saying, clothed with a garment down to the foot. John continued to declare, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the foot. The phrase down to the foot is a translation of poderos, a Greek word used only this one time in the entire New Testament. It describes a robe that flows all the way down to the ankles, but leaves the feet exposed. And really, this was the clothing of the high priest. So to start off, Jesus showed up on the day of the king, and his garments were of the priest, to show that he was the king That's and amazing. priest of his church. This stuff's so cool. Isn't that so cool? Yeah. It gets me fired up. It does. And then it says that he was girt about the paps, which means chest, with a golden girdle. So in the ancient world, kings and people who were high up would wear their girdle, not around the waist, the belt around the waist. They'd wear it up at the chest so that their clothing would flow. And it was another representation of how powerful Jesus was. And I didn't know this, that belt would be worn around the chest and it was golden. And it showed his power, majesty, dignity, and authority. And we're just going to look at a couple more of these because we're running out of time. I'm going to see which ones I want to touch on. I recommend you get the book because it's really powerful. Uh, I want to talk about this. This one I think is really great. His eyes were as a flame of fire. So a lot of times we say there he had fire in his eyes, but it actually says his eyes were as flames of fire. Hmm. And what that means is, have you, I think it's more with guys. It's a simile. With guys, we look at fire mm. and it becomes captivating. <laughs> yeah. You just stare at it and you watch how it crackles and how it pops. And Rick Renner said, that's the way Jesus's eyes were, that they were magnetic. That when you looked at him, mm. that you could just get lost in them. And they so were So they deep. were probably blue. <laughs> probably not with Middle Eastern Jesus uh, and when he was glorified I bet he still remained those bronze brown eyes <laughs> but that's funny but also fire was a picture of judgment and when Jesus looked over his churches he knew that he could bring judgment to the things that were going wrong it says that his feet were like fine brass now a lot of the places where there were judgment the metal that was used was brass yeah so brass was to show that he was able to walk in. His feet, there were no shoes, just as his feet. What well, reason why? Because it was holy, just as you don't wear shoes in holy ground. His feet were as brass, and I really like this. That because it was brass or bronze was an old, important part of judgment in the Old Testament. Where am I going to go in here? Uh, it was heavy. Brass was actually a heavy metal. So it meant that he was wearing something that had to do with judgment, but it was heavy that he wasn't going to be moving quickly towards judgment. And then it, wow. it continues to describe it as uh, if they burned in a furnace, which means that the brass was still moldable and pliable, that the final judgment hadn't set in Whoa. yet, and it could still be hard, and there was still a time to repent. Wow. That's crazy. Isn't that really awesome? I really like that. The sound of a voice is many waters. Potmos had jagged rocks. 
attached to the island and you could constantly hear the waves crashing against the rocks that his voice and just as it had been revealed of the Lord throughout the Bible that he has a strong mighty voice he heard his voice in that way the where place I want to end is looking at stars it says that he was the one who hold the seven stars in his right hand in that vision well the stars the Bible refers to as the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches so that's actually the pastors of the churches, and that's who were given the message first, that Jesus was speaking to the pastors of the churches, which shows his respect, but also the responsibility of the pastors to pass them down. He saw them as angels, but he also entrusted them with the responsibility to pass it on to the churches and not go light with it. But stars have so many different, he has so many different connotations for stars, but I like this one here. Speaking of pastors, as is true with human beings, the behavior of young stars and older stars are very different. Mm. Younger stars are known to rotate rapidly and have high levels of surface activity. As stars mature and grow older, they slow down and their surface activity begins to diminish. Shots fired. Young (laughs) pastors can be so captivated by what it looks like on the outside, Mm. but as we mature as stars or responsible pastors, we become more cognizant of what's going on on the inside. That's crazy, dude. Now, the seven stars in the right hand, you're like, well, I know it's the churches, but it was a picture well-known to Domitian and Asia Minor where uh, Ephesus was. That's actually where the largest temple to Domitian was erected. And on coinage that was well-circulated through that area of the Roman Empire, it had a picture on the backside of Domitian's son sitting on a globe holding Whoa. seven stars. Wow. The reason being is Domitian always wanted to highlight and emphasize his greatness and power. So he had a son who died at the age of nine. And at that point, he said his son was the son of Jupiter and that he sat on the earth showing he had authority over the earth and seven stars of the hand that he had authority over the stars and the earth. Mm. So he was a son of God. And he had authority over the stars and the earth. And it said wow. of Jesus, he was as one who held the seven stars Jeez. in his hand. He's saying, no, it's not Domitian's son. It's not Domitian. I am the one. I wow. am the son of God who died, who sits and controls heaven and earth. And I have the seven stars, which are my church, in my hand. That's awesome. Everyone would have picked up on that. Jeez. And after all this, I have to stop because we're almost done. But... John fell as if he was dead. It was so amazing. Bright light shined around him. I had like three more things I was going to share. Bright light shined around him and he fell as if he was dead. He couldn't even move because it was so amazingly bright. The same brightness that Paul experienced on the road to Damascus that left him blind for days after the event, John experienced. And he wasn't changed until Jesus said, fear not. And he went over and he put his hand on him. Mm. And Rick Renner said it was so impactful because John traveled with him for three years and he saw that hand reach out and heal wow. people and that hand sat on him and brought him out of the stupor. So to connect my two stories from last podcast and this one is maybe as we take our quiet time and we're trying to think of God and think on the one who thinks on us, think on the exalted Christ, have a high view of Christ because Jesus is in that exalted state and he's coming back in that exalted way. And that's who is our shepherd, our older brother, the Lord of our lives. And as we think on him, We'll have a higher view of him. And as Pastor Jonathan said last week, our worship of him will be more pure and genuine. But I really encourage you, pick up a light in the darkness, seven messages to the seven churches by Rick Renner. I don't even know what else to say. The wisdom of the day would be so hard to communicate because like everything that was just shared was a golden nugget. 
but it's valuable, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's pure gold. Uh, do you have one? Yes. But I'm, what I'm going to do is my wisdom of the day is present one more thing. It says, out of his mouth came a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. A double-edged sword, uh, sharp double-edged sword, that word sharp does mean sharp, but the first word that it means is an anesthetic, a bitter anesthetic that would help numb something that comes out. So when Jesus' words come out, it might seem bitter, it might seem harsh, but it's a numbing thing that was supposed to bring change to eradicate and wow. cut out. So Jesus' tongue was a sharp, but it also had a numbing it was also influence. also an analgesic edge. Yes. And it reminds <laughs> me of something I re- heard from my professor once, who's a believer, and he said this, that we need the scalpel of truth with the anesthetic of love. Wow. And I think that's exactly what Jesus brought. Uh, Rick I Renner, man. Took notes. I'm thankful was, for it. I was just soaking it all in. The last two podcasts I've been doing that. Uh, Selah? Well, I, I just think the amount of detail that was that, that Jesus uh, kind of, kind of, communicated you know we read over that we're like okay yeah seven stars okay yeah the lord's day da, 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 da. he was very very intentional he didn't want uh there to be any type of confusion he like on on like what it actually meant so it's like i'm coming on the emperor's day and i'm wearing these types of robes and i'm holding the seven stars and look at the coin yeah screw that guy well i don't <laughs> think jesus would say that but it's like it's like there should be no misinterpretation here we ain't talking about him and i'm way I better the I'm, I'm the man right i'm king yeah i just think that's cool and how amazing that we get to have fellowship with him and he's high priest of our confession. We come boldly to his throne and have fellowship with that Lord and Savior. Yeah. That should change our day. So Ooh. I encourage you, we have so many great resources. Rick Renner is a great resource to really dive into what the word means, to know, we mentioned this a couple podcasts ago, what was going on in the time of the church so we can know and apply it to the time of our lives, yeah. not the opera. Uh, opera. Not the opera. No, <laughs> time of our lives, not soap opera. <laughs> But the time that we find days ourselves our in, lives. yes, yeah. days of our lives. Oh, okay. That's it. I have a, I have a more specific wisdom of the day. When, when his feet were laden with brass, yes, brass symbolizing judgment, but they were heavy, meaning that he wouldn't be moving quickly yes. towards judgment. He was walking towards, yeah, walking Which, towards judgment, but still, there's a, there's a, a and window it was of as mercy. in the fire, meaning that it was hardening as he was going. Yeah. That the, it, the time is shrinking. The time is shrinking. Time is running out. Yeah. But. There's still a time of mercy. Yes. Amen. Amen. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. That's the word, brother. And he delights in showing mercy. Yes. All right. Will you pray us out of this podcast, brother? Yeah. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for people like Rick Renner who can break it down for us and help us uh, understand it more, Father. I thank you that you are intentional, specific. You are uh, loving. You are merciful. And... um we get to call you uh, God, Jesus, we get to call you Lord. You call us sons and daughters. You also call us friends. I thank you that we can have intimate relationship with you. Um, man, uh, I don't really even know what else to pray. We're just so thankful um, for who you are in our lives, Father God. I pray that uh, people who listen to this podcast will have a better understanding um, and it will cause them to think on the one who thinks about them as when we know how intentional you are and how, how you were and how you will be um, towards your thoughts, towards us, your love towards us, Father, that it should cause us, you know, love compels us, should compel us to think about you um, and spend time with you more. We love you. 
It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And come back next week on this podcast because I've kind of spearheaded the last two. I'm really excited to play the back role, <laughs> get in the backseat as yeah, Pastor Jonathan leads us. I don't have a us. church history, but, but... Well, that's okay. It's going to be good. You're a great teacher, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to share next time on the Sewing and Growing Podcast with Jay and Jay. <laughs>